Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's now time for Centered on Health with Baptist Health on News Radio 840 WHAS. Now, here's Dr. Wayne Tuxen. Good evening, and welcome to another segment of Centered on Health with Baptist Health here on News Radio 840 WHAS. I'm your host, Dr. Wayne Tuxen. Tonight, we're going to talk about the role and importance of our family doctor, or in other words, how can we help them? help us. And our guest is Dr. J. Bradley Lankford. Dr. Lankford is a family medicine physician, and he's part of the Baptist Health Medical Group Family Medicine. Dr. Lankford is a graduate of the Marion University College of Osteopathic Medicine up in Indianapolis, Indiana, and he did his residency at Memorial Family Medicine. Dr. Lankford, Bradley, welcome to Senate on Health with Baptist Health. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Wayne. Thanks so much for letting me join you tonight. I really appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm glad to have you join us. And I want to remind everyone, if they want to join us, they can call us at 502-571-8484. And when they do that, they get to speak to our producer extraordinaire, Mr. Jim Finn, and he'll make sure they're included into our conversation. So, Bradley, what was the thing that got you interested in medicine? Yeah, that's a good question. Um when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, um, healthcare was kind of a big thing in the back of my mind. I had an older brother who had Down syndrome, so I got to help mm. out a lot with him and his care and got to volunteer with some of his Special Olympics teams and uh, really just enjoyed that aspect of getting to, to be helpful and to take care of people. And so um, I started thinking about becoming a doctor, and the first doctor I shadowed was a, a family medicine physician in Owensboro, Kentucky, where I'm from. Um, and from, from that point, that's kind of what my goal was. I just, I really enjoy, um, getting to know my patients really well and getting to build that relationship with them, that continuity of care that we talk about in family medicine or primary care medicine. Mm -hmm. It's something I really enjoy just getting to build those relationships. Um, getting to know people beyond, you know, what their chart says, um, getting to know who they are, getting to know their families. And I really just enjoy getting to care for people of all ages. I, I love getting to take care of kids as well as um, those who are aged and um, everybody in between. And that's just um, something I, I really enjoy um, is getting to see people of all ages. And I kind of one, – one fun thing about family medicine is each day mm -hmm. is different. Um, you never know what you're going to walk into on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, family medicine doctors are often you know, referred to as kind of a jack of all trades. We know a little bit about everything. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and that's, that's fun to me. I like uh, not seeing the same thing over and over again, going from room to room. You never know what you're going to walk into. And, you know, that's, that's scary sometimes. And some days I wish it was just all the same, but other days I, I think I would get really bored with that. So the uh, variety of family medicine is something that, that really, drew me to it along with that continuity of care like I was talking about. 
Well, you're going to be getting a lot of phone calls from your specialist colleagues, and we're going to be beating down the door talking about, yeah, same thing every day, huh? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I know I know that's too simple in my assessment. No, that, I think you said it perfectly well, though. I, I like the way you put that. I really do. Let me ask you. So what do you think, you know, because you're still kind of wet between the ears. Uh, what's the biggest difference that you've seen between your – residency training and now that you're in now that you are the person you are the man now yeah um well i mean the 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 biggest thing is that there's not someone there right behind me to to ask for help when i need it Mm -hmm. so um even though i'm finished with med school and residency and that was uh, long years of training i by no means think that i have all the answers and have already experienced in my four weeks of seeing patients here on my own that I definitely don't have all the answers. And so um, that's kind of a, a big change that um, I'm kind of getting used to. Like, I can't just say, hey, I'm going to step out of the room and go ask one of my attendings because now I'm the attending. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just kind of getting getting a, more comfortable with saying, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure about that. Let me uh, look into that a little bit further or, um, you know, just coming up with different ways to, to really – show my confidence even when I may not have the perfect exact answer in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I have great colleagues that I work with at the office there, um, many of which are more experienced than I am. So I always have people that I can't ask for help, but, you know, they're not, that's not their job. They're also seeing patients. They're not there specifically for me. Um, so, so that's been a big change. Um, but in many ways it's been good. You know, I, I, in, in residency, you're kind of pulled in a million different directions, and it's hard to really focus on, on one thing. But now I'm simply doing outpatient medicine, um, so just in the clinic all the time. And I uh, really enjoy being able to focus on that and kind of hone that a little bit. And I feel like because I'm not distracted by calls from the hospital or needing to go deliver a baby or anything like that, um, I feel like I'm, I'm able to focus on my patients a little bit better and mm-hmm. – and, um, get kind of to the heart of their problem a little bit more and give them some more thought, which, which I've really enjoyed and I'm thankful for that. Well, that's good. So tell me then, cause you kind of alluded to it, how I know you said it ton in cheek, you know, Jack of all trades, but how is it that you see your role versus that of the specialist role? So someone like me who is a colon erectile surgeon, you know, and versus someone such as yourself who is seeing the patient primarily. Obviously, you know, I'm going to have limitations to what I can do uh, for my patients simply from a lack of experience. Um, The specialists are really good at what they do, Um, and it's because they they do a lot with that one thing or that one area, whereas because, like I said, there's so much variety in my day, um, I don't don't focus on one thing just as much, Um, and so... I see my role as kind of the first point of contact. Let's say a patient has a new problem that comes up um, and they want to see somebody about it. Well, let's say um, they're having some blood in their stool. You mentioned your colorectal specialist. So let's say they're having some blood in their stool. They're not going to be able to call your office and get an appointment directly with you that day, um, nor should they. Uh, So, you know, they come and see me and we kind of chat through the different possibilities and maybe it's a, a simple hemorrhoid that we can take care of or, Maybe they're constipated, and I can take care of that. But maybe we go through all of those things, and, and maybe it's something internally. 
um, and they need to have a specialist take a look. Well, I'm not going to pull out um, a scope in the office and, and do a colonoscopy for them because I <laughs> can't do that. Um, so my my role is is to, to be the first point of care. So come see me when you have a specific complaint that's new, um, and then I'll do all I can to to try and help you through that situation. And if we reach the, the end of my knowledge, of my skill set, then we're going to get you to, to a specialist. And sooner rather than later, if it's something that I see, see is more, you know, urgent. Um, but if we have time and we can try and see if we can work through it together without having to involve a specialist, that's, that's what we want to do because you guys are busy. The specialists are swamped. Um, and so if we can take care of it from a primary care perspective and have to, uh, you know, if we're able to prevent an unnecessary, unnecessary referral, like mm-hmm. that's great for the system, great for our providers mm-hmm. as a whole, great for the specialist, great for the patient. You know, I, I've always looked at it at the, uh, family medicine physician or even the uh, general internist is those are the doctors who have the, they're patient centered. They're concerned with the whole patient, including uh, the family and those members who are coming to help the patient where sometimes I think those of us who are a step removed are more concerned on the problem that brought the person in. This is not to say that and mean that in a bad way, but you, right. I think that primary folks, you still maintain that holistic approach over people. And I think that is the most, one of the most important things that I enjoy in my interactions with the uh, family medicine and general internist colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a really good point just because, you know, we, we know the patients really well. We've been seeing them for, for long times often. And um, we, like you said, we know their families and we know what their wishes would be and, and kind of the, the course of action they would prefer. So that's, I like that. That's a really good way of, of thinking about that. Well, that's great, Dr. Langford. I want to remind everyone, you're listening to Centered on Health with Baptist Health here on News Radio 840 WHAS. If you'd like to be part of the conversation and talk to Dr. Brand- Bradley Langford about the role and importance of our family doctor or how we can help them help us, give us a call at 502 571 8484 again 502 571 8484 I'm Dr. Wayne Tuxen you're listening to Senate on Health with Baptist Health and we'll talk to you after this short break Welcome back to Senate on Health with Baptist Health on News Radio 840 WHAS Tonight our guest is Dr. Bradley Langford he is a family medicine physician with the Baptist Health Medical Group Family Medicine we're talking about the role and importance of our family doctor and how we can help them help us. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 502-571-8484. So, Dr. Langford, what are the things that you like the patient to do or to bring with them when they're coming in for that initial examination? Of uh, that initial exam, as similar to having an, an annual physical or what we would call like a wellness visit. So, this initial visit, that's our opportunity to get to know each other a little better. You know, in family medicine, we do like to, to or just primary care in general, we like to get to know you a little bit better than just what's on your chart. So, I may ask you things like, where you're from, tell me about your family, your hobbies, mm-hmm. things like that. But, um, uh, from a medical perspective, come prepared to tell me about your medical history as a whole, um, you know, specific 
diagnosed conditions that you may have, specific surgeries that you've had, uh, current medications that you're taking, and we need to be specific with those. So, you know, bring in your pill bottles, bring in paperwork that you may have that, that has all of your medications written down because that's going to be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then things, too, that I think a lot of people don't think about is, you know, your screening history. So for our patients who are older wow. than 45, yeah. when was your last colonoscopy? Um, I need to know the date. That's really helpful for us figuring out when you're going to be due for another one, your last mammogram, your last pap smear, mm-hmm. things like that. Um are really helpful just for me getting a good picture of your health history so that I know uh, kind of what we're working with as we're going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this initial visit, it's a, it's a challenging visit to come in with multiple concerns because, you know, from a time perspective, we're limited and, and we really want to spend that time getting to know you because that's going to be really important. You know, I've had in my first four weeks here of seeing patients, I've had a few that have come in and said, well, this is the first time I've seen a doctor in years, and, you know, I have about five things I want to talk about. And I kind of just have to take a step back and and remind them that we will get to those things eventually, but um, I kind of need to know know you a little bit better and kind of know where we're coming from so that we can appropriately address whatever concerns you may have. You know, often Mm -hmm. simply going through people's medical history and their medications can take up a lot of the a lot of time that we have, but that's one of the most important parts of me being able to take care of my patients efficiently and to the best of my ability. So, again, that initial visit, think of it as, as like an annual physical well visit. We're going to get to know each other a little bit better, your medical history specifically, and, and, you know, we may not get to all the concerns that you have at that time just because we want to spend that time getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. Now, you're part of a big system with, with the Baptist Health System. So, um, and, and, and so I think sometimes patients come in, I know I used to hear, I'd ask them something. They say, well, you have my records. Um, well, <laughs> do you have access to patients' records if they've seen other people or if they've had procedures or tests done either within your system or even outside of one of the other healthcare systems around? You know, often we do, and, and that's one of the nice things about the electronic health record system. Mm-hmm. Um, we use Epic at Baptist and um, from my experience, for my few, my short time here, a lot of the healthcare systems in the area do use Epic, and so, so that does get shared. Um, and so, so often we do have access to those records, um, but you would be amazed if, or patients would be amazed if they look through that electronic health record and and just how many notes and encounters and things to go through. Um, you know, there's just not enough. It would take me all day to read one patient's full chart. And so if, if I can chat with a patient and they can sum it up for me in, in five, ten minutes, that's much more efficient and much more helpful than me combing through through all of those specific records. And, and oftentimes, you know, if, if things are coming from different offices and they're scanned in somewhere, you know, they're in the chart, but my ability to find them sometimes is, is not the greatest. Um, so mm-hmm. if, if you have all of those things for me, I don't have to waste the time sitting in front of you spending, you know, four or five minutes looking for the date of your last colonoscopy because you've got it written down. So we, it takes 10 seconds and we move on. Um, so, yes, theoretically, all of the information should be right in front of me. But in practice, um, that can be more challenging than it, than it sounds. 
What can we as the patient coming in for that initial examination? You've talked over a couple of things, how you want to know more about the person in general. But what can we anticipate that you're going to do to us? Yeah, I mean, mostly it's going to be going through that medical history like mm-hmm. we talked about. Um, I'm going to do a full physical exam. So it's my mm-hmm. first time first time seeing you. I'm going to, you know, look in your ears and look in your mouth and listen to your heart and push on your belly a little bit and feel your pulses all over the place. This is my my first visit with you. I'm going to do a whole physical assessment, um, mm-hmm. you know, Subsequent visits, I may not do that thorough of an exam. Just depends on what your complaint is, because I I have all of that you know in my memory. But for that first visit, I want to do a, a good full physical exam to make sure we're not we're not missing anything. And then, you know, depending on age and um, you know your overall health status, we may think about doing some lab work or a urine sample, or we may order some tests. Like I mentioned, the colonoscopy if you haven't mm-hmm. had one before, and you're of the age that it's recommended. Um, so kind of like kind of in summary, you know, we're going to, we're going to get to know each other a little bit better, talk about your history. Um, I'm going to do a full physical exam and then we'll kind of talk about if there's any lab work tests that we should think about doing just from a, an overall wellness screening perspective. I, I know with COVID, it really cut down on the number of people that could be in the exam room. But do you tend to recommend that someone bring another person with them uh, to the exam, or do you kind of depend upon age, mental status, and that sort of thing? Right. Yeah, I think what you said there at the end really really makes the difference. You know, obviously, if it's a 12-month-old, I'm going to need the, the mom or dad to come with mm-hmm. them and tell me how things are going. Um, so age definitely plays a part. Mental status, my old, like I mentioned, my oldest brother has Down syndrome, and he doesn't mm-hmm. talk a lot. So he needs yeah. mom to go with him to, to his doctor's appointments to voice anything, any concerns. Um, you know, when I have a teenager that comes in, usually there's a guardian with them. Um, I will for a short period of that appointment, ask the guardian to leave the room just because I want that teenager to feel completely comfortable talking with me without pressure from mom or dad or or judgment from mom or dad. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one situation where, yeah, I want the guardian to come, but I'm also going to ask for time alone with the teenager just to to get their, you know, allow them to speak if they have any concerns. Um, Older patients who have a caretaker, it can be helpful um, just because, a lot of times our older patients don't can minimize things and, and don't really want to or they're afraid or ashamed to admit certain struggles. Um, but I think one situation that comes up a lot is, um, you know, men, for whatever reason, don't like going to the doctor for as a kind of as a whole. And I make that as a generalization, though. It's not true in all situations, but I'm a lot. But a lot. But a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um I've already seen it, you know, multiple times in my few short weeks of, do, of, of being here. But, you know, men coming in because their wife made this appointment and sent them with a list of things they want them to ask the doctor about. Um, but, if, but if the man, like, isn't engaged in it at all, then, then it's not going to be super helpful. And similarly, like, if, if there is a guest in the room that wants one thing for a patient, let's say they want, want the patient to stop smoking, but, and so, you know, they're kind of getting on and nagging the patient or arguing with the patient while they're in the room, you know, ultimately that's not super helpful and, and it's really inefficient. 
Um, because if the patient isn't interested, then it doesn't matter what I say or what, you know, the partner says. It's whatever we want them to do is not going to happen. Um, so I've had people arguing right in front of me, contradicting each other, ignoring each other, and it just kind of becomes the scene. Um, but ultimately, that's not helpful at all, and actually it's harmful to the encounter as a whole. So, you know, my, my word of caution is if a guest is going to come with you, so whether you're the patient um, who's going to be bringing a guest or you're the guest that's coming with the patient, um, think about, you know, what are things that we're going to butt heads about or what are things that, that we shouldn't do in the exam room because our time is limited while we're in there. So if, if the patient and the guest spend 15 minutes arguing and that was a 15-minute appointment, well, that's all we got. So, um, you know, think about, think about those things before you, before you come in and maybe have your arguments out before you get into the exam room. <laughs> Uh, dream on, Doc. Dream on. Uh, we're going to take a uh, short break right here. Let me remind everyone, you're listening to Centered on Health with Baptist Health on News Radio 840 WHAS. Our guest tonight is Dr. Bradley Langford. Dr. Langford is a family medicine physician with the Baptist Health Medical Group Family Medicine. And we're talking about the role and importance of our family doctor and also how can we help them help us. I'm Dr. Wayne Tuxon, and I'd like you to be part of our conversation. So give us a call at 502-571-8484, and we'll talk to you after this short break. Welcome back to Centered on Health with Baptist Health on News Radio 840 WHAS. I'm your host, Dr. Wayne Tuxon. And tonight we have as our guest, Dr. Bradley Langford. Dr. Langford is a family medicine physician with Baptist Health Medical Group Family Medicine. And we're talking about the role and importance of our family doctor and more importantly, how we can help them help us. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 502-571-8484. Before we get back to Dr. Langford, let me just remind you that if you have not already done so, please, you can download the iHeartRadio app, and this will allow you to hear not only this episode of Centered on Health with Baptist Health, but also all the previous episodes, as well as all the other wonderful programming that's on the iHeartRadio network, and just by downloading the iHeartRadio app. So, Dr. Langford, the patient's been in, you've seen them, and this is now time for a follow-up examination. What do you like? Do you like to have the patient come back to the office, or do you like to do the telemedicine thing? Yeah, um... You know, I'm still trying to figure out where telemedicine kind of uh, fits in with my practice. Um, it just depends on the problem, you know. Um, if, if it's a physical complaint that's going to require a physical exam follow-up, then an in-office visit is just going to be, you know, super important, and we're not going to be able to bypass it. Um, where I'm finding myself using more telemedicine visits would be in things like a follow-up on depression. So let's say we just we just started an antidepressant, and you know we're going to check in about six weeks later to see how you're doing. Well, it's mostly going to be a discussion. I'm not really going to be doing much of a physical exam in that visit. So that would be a good good follow-up visit to utilize telemedicine. Um, same for anxiety. Or let's say we started a medication for blood pressure, and you have a blood pressure cuff at home that we've we've found is accurate. You know, mm -hmm. maybe we just chat over a telemedicine visit and see how your blood pressures have been doing if you're keeping a log and see how you're doing on a medication that we just started. So, so those would be good situations to, to use the telemedicine, but anytime I'm needing to do a physical exam, you know, whether it be a, a sore throat or, 
We're following up on some abdominal pain and trying to see if it's getting better. Um, things like that, you know, we're going we're gonna to need to see you back in the office just so we can uh, address those, those complaints more appropriately. So when you were talking about the initial exam, you, you know, indicated a typical, a, a patient may come in with five different complaints. So obviously on the subsequent examination, you can't look at all, well, I take that back. I would imagine it would take a great deal of time to go through all five of the patient's complaints. Do you have to prioritize issues with patients when they come in, or are you just the number of times the patient is following up with you to address all the problems? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. That's a hard thing. You know, um, I wish we had time to address everything because I know patients would, would be more satisfied with that, but, but it's a challenge in our limited time. So, you know, when we're coming in with a list of four, five, six, ten concerns, we're not going to be able to address them all. Um, and often this frustrates people, but, you know, I want to reiterate, it's not because we don't care or we don't want to address your concerns. We just don't have enough time in that, that current situation. Um, you know, a common complaint when you go to the doctor is you have to wait for so long in order to be seen. Well, well, often that's because some patient before you had a number of concerns that the doctor felt compelled to address and ended up getting way behind. And so, you know, when we're trying to prioritize and, and really focus our time on, on what's most important for your health, um, mm -hmm. we're doing that as a way to, to be most helpful for you, but also to be respectful of your time and, and the time of our patients later on in the day. So definitely have to prioritize, and, and often that can be challenging and, and a discussion we have to have because what may be a priority to me may not be mm -hmm. a priority to the patient. So let's say your blood pressure is 190 over 110. Well, that's going to be a bigger priority to me than, you know, you're a little bit bloated after you eat kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, figuring out what that looks like. And, and I think with us just being open and honest, like, you know, I hear you, you have a lot of things that you're worried about that you want to talk about. Um, we don't have enough time for that today. So, so let's pick one or two that are top priority for us to focus on today. Mm -hmm. And then we'll follow up at subsequent visits and, and catch up on all these other concerns as well. And, and not only is that efficient for the time, but, but really it helps us do a better job. You know, if I'm trying to take care of 10 problems in one visit, chances are I'm not taking good care of, of all of those 10 problems. And I'm just simply providing a Band-Aid so that we can mm -hmm. get on to the next thing. But if we can really focus on, on one or two high-priority, prior, high-yield issues, concerns that you have, we're going to do a much better job of taking care of those things. Um, so I know that can be frustrating, but but really it's it's ultimately so we can take the best best care of you guys. Now you know you you talked about you got into medicine because of your experiences with your older brother, and you obviously are a caring person, and you want to spend time and take care of your patients. But there aren't but so many hours in the day, and you have a family also. So tell me what has been your experience with patients with, you know, we all have these records now where we can log in and leave emails for the healthcare provider. Uh, how do you time manage, man? I mean, do we have to say, Hey, I, I can only do but so much during these particular hours or how does that work? Yeah, that that's tough. And, and it's hard um, because you're right. Like we, we do care all, you know, all physicians, that's, that's why we do what we do is we do care about our patients and want to take good care of them. Um, and so, 
with the, the ease of access to care, um, you know, like you mentioned, now being able to email your provider, um, that's tough. I, I'll be honest, I usually, you know, when I come home from work, I, I don't check my computer and, and mm-hmm. log on because I have a wife and four kids that I really care mm. for them as well and, and want to spend time with them. And so um, usually if it's something urgent, uh, a lot of offices will have like a, a call system to where you can call in and speak to a physician that's on call. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is for, for urgent questions. Um, that is a, a much better route to go than sending an email. Um, because those emails or messages or whatever it is electronically are going to kind of get pushed to the wayside. And if you think about, you know, we have a few thousand patients in our panel and everybody's sending us messages, like there's no way we're going to be able to get to them all. So um, I think really utilizing those uh, systems that are are a blessing, um, if we can utilize them efficiently so it's not just, hey, I got a cough today, doc, what do you recommend? Um, for every little thing, messaging your provider that that's going to be super challenging, and you're you're not going to be satisfied with your care if that's what you're expecting. Because we're human; we can't do it all, and and um, we we are just pulled in so many different directions. And um, so, I think it, it is a challenge, and I'm still trying to figure out what that's going to look like for me. But um, usually, I I go to work, and I I do my work there and do as much as I can while I'm there. And then I come home and I'm home with my family. So that's kind of how I'm trying to work through it. Well, let me just, uh, so you'll know that there's hope uh, down there and patients will understand this too. Um, probably at the end of about 35 years, I'll ask you that same question. And I think you'll say you still haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, is, yeah it, it is a difficult thing. You know, we, this, like you said, this is what we do this and we like taking care of people, but most of the time, I think it's important that uh, you probably do spend time educating your patients. Hey, this, if this happens, call me. If this doesn't, oh yeah, if this is going on. We might be able to wait on that one. Huh? I, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is a lot of education that has to go into that too. And again, it gets back to your knowing your patients and them and the patients knowing you. Um, yep. I'd, like to, I'd like to remind everybody you're listening to Centered on Health with Baptist Health on News Radio 840 WHAS. I'm your host, Dr. Wayne Tuxin, and our guest tonight is Dr. Bradley Langford. And we're talking about the role and importance of our family doctor and how we can help them help us. When we come back after this short break, we're going to talk about some of the more common problems that Dr. Langford is seeing in the office. And also, we got to talk about the impact of COVID nowadays, too. So we look forward to talking to you after this short break. Welcome back to Senate on Health and Baptist Health on News Radio 840 WHS. I'm your host, Dr. Wayne Tuxton, and our guest is Dr. Bradley Lankford, and we're talking about the role and importance of our family doctor and how we can help them help us. So tell me, Bradley, what are some of the more common things that you're seeing um, that patients coming into your office right now? Yeah, so um, a lot of what we see in primary care is kind of, you know, our, our big three, diabetes, hypertension or high blood pressure and mm-hmm. and high cholesterol, things like that that we're trying to manage from a, a chronic condition perspective. Um, you know, it's 
upwards of 70, 80% of chronic disease is preventable. And so uh, a lot of patients were trying to, to manage those for them and seeing them, those patients quite regularly in office to make sure we're appropriately managing their blood sugar or their blood pressure. Um, you know, we see a lot of, of GI complaints, whether that be acid reflux or constipation, or they're just kind of having some generalized abdominal pain after meals or um, things like that. A lot of musculoskeletal complaints, uh, so knee pain, you know, tennis elbow, everybody's out playing tennis, golfing because it's warm, so a lot of uh, elbow complaints. Um, back pain is a common thing we see a lot of. Um, Something a lot of people may not think about is we see a lot of mental health issues and can talk through mm -hmm. um, a lot of patients who are struggling with depression or anxiety or some type of acute grief or acute stress. Um, we end up seeing a lot of that um, substance use, whether that be alcohol or tobacco or, or even other drugs. We see a lot of patients struggling with that. And, you know, from an acute perspective, um, a lot of people call on the same day with upper respiratory symptoms, so whether that be a cough or a sore throat or a runny nose or ear pain, things like that, um, usually seeing a few patients a day uh, with, with those typical concerns. Mm -hmm. What are some of the complaints that you think a patient should call you about? We talked about it tangentially, but, you know, what are some of the things, hey, if you've got this going on, I think maybe you do need to call me. Yeah, well, we're going to think about, like, you know, if you, if you need to come in, big, bad, scary things. So obviously, anything with the heart, if you're having chest pain um, or your heart skipping beats on you, yeah, we mm -hmm. definitely want to want to see you. Um, may tell you to go to the ER. Um, but first person would to call would, would definitely be us. Um, if you're having, like, pretty significant shortness of breath where you feel like you're struggling to – to move around the house like you were before and, and getting, you know, pretty winded just from simple things that you normally do without issue, um, those would, that would definitely be a reason to, mm -hmm. to come in sooner rather than later. Um, usually blood in the stool. We don't like seeing blood um, mm -hmm. in places where it's not supposed to be. So if you're yeah. um, having bloody stools, um, that would be something we would want to know about blood in your urine. Um, that would be something we would want to know about. Um, so a lot of those things, it's, it's really going to depend on kind of what system is is affected. Anything with the heart, the lungs, um, we usually take a, a lot more seriously. And then blood where it's not supposed to be, we take that pretty seriously as well. But if you ever have a question, like, should I come in, um, you know, call us. We'll let you know. And we'll say if, if it's something you need to come in for, we'll tell you that and we'll try and get you in as soon as we can. And um, if it's something that we think, you know, just wait it out a few days and see if it gets better. We'll tell you, we're, we're more than happy to answer questions like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel sorry for the fourth child that you have, because I'm sure at this point the novelty is worn off and, you know, they come in with their leg hanging in their arm and you just tell them to just put some <laughs> tape on it, I'm sure. But for those you know, the new parent, the young person, and the child has an earache or something like that, Yeah, you know, they should probably call, or is that a reasonable thing, a pediatric age group patient when they have something that looks weird? Yeah, yeah, I think so, especially uh, new parents. Uh, I mean, you know, parenting is, is very challenging and very scary. Um, yeah. We don't want 
to miss anything. Um, and so we'll be honest. Like, if you call us and and you have question about whether or not they should be seen, like, we'll let you know. Um, but it's never it's never a bad thing to call. Um, from a mental perspective, it can kind of we'll hopefully be able to put you at ease if, if we don't feel like it's anything to worry about or um, we'll have you come in if we think you need to be seen. But, yeah, for those new parents out there, I, I would – throw that uh, recommendation to don't be afraid to ask because um, you, you don't want to spend up all spend all night awake because you're worried about something when you really don't need to be worried about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have about uh, you know, a little, little about two and a half minutes left in here. Could you tell us still the impact that COVID is having and some of the things that we should do uh, right now? Yeah. Um, you know, I think just just the general caution is still something we need to to be thinking about, um, and and what that looks like. You know, I we're not obviously quarantining everybody, um, not all stuck at home, um, roundabout, and you know, a lot of people aren't wearing masks. We're still wearing masks in the doctors' offices and healthcare systems, and still recommending that just because we want to. Um, keep everybody safe. We still have patients coming in with, like I mentioned earlier, URI symptoms that could be COVID. And and so if you're sitting in the exam room, we don't want you unnecessarily exposed. So we're still recommending people wear masks or asking people to comply with that. And usually if you're if you're coming into the office and you don't have a mask, we're gonna, we're gonna get you one. And don't take offense to that. We're just trying to take good care of you and everyone else. Um, and then I think the, the big things that we always talk about, you know, just making sure washing hands, using hand sanitizer. We're, we're doing a much more thorough job of cleaning our rooms after every visit than we were previously. Um, so just simple things like that. Um, if you don't feel well, stay at home, you know. Um, if you're having symptoms that may be consistent with COVID, then maybe you shouldn't shouldn't go out today. Um, just thinking through things like that and, and just really trying to continue uh, to be appropriately cautious um, while still going on with life as we as we would like to live it. Well, Dr. Lankford, I want to thank you very much, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you because I'm sure you're going to have an outstanding career. Uh, you've been listening to Senate on Health with Baptist Health here on News Radio 840 WHAS. Don't forget, you can download the iHeartRadio app so you can listen to this show and all the other great shows on the iHeartRadio network. I'm Dr. Wayne Tuxon, and our guest today has been Dr. Bradley Lang- uh, Langford, and we were talking about the role and importance of our family doctor. I think it was interesting. And Dr. Langford, you gave us some really, really great advice, and we'll talk to you later. And to everyone else, good night, be careful, and make sure you get your regular checkups. This program is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as medical advice. The content of this program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice diagnosis, or treatment. This show is not designed to replace a physician's medical assessment and medical judgment. Always seek the advice of your physician with any questions or concerns you may have related to your personal health or regarding specific medical conditions. To find a Baptist Health provider, please visit baptisthealth.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. 
Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 